Howdy, this is Calvin Rosser from the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. You can find me at Calvin underscore Rosser on Twitter. And this is Steph Smith. You can find me at Steph Smith IO on Twitter. Today, we're going to talk about a big and important topic, which is the psychology of money. We're going to dive into how our relationship with money has formed, different mistakes we make due to that psychology, and how we can just better be equipped to sleep more at night with our investments and make better decisions based on our psychology. So Steph, I want to kick this episode off with a story, which is I grew up very low income and I made some money early in my career. And I just, I spent a lot of time thinking about how to invest my money smartly. And the conclusion I settled on was the best thing that I could do as someone who was not a professional trader was to just invest my money in passive index funds and a diversified portfolio and just let that sit for 40 years. Then March, 2020 came with the COVID pandemic, the stock market sold off like 30% and I panicked and I sold at the bottom of the market right before it ripped up. I actually wasn't able to get in uh, early enough because I became like very bearish and just my whole world turned upside down. And I ended up in a state where I was, to be honest, like quasi suicidal due to money. And I had enough to pay the bills. I had enough to live an okay life. And I still ended up in this crazy state where I made decisions that didn't align with my values and that also put me in a really psychologically crippled state. Today, I woke up and cryptocurrency, which is was over 15% of my net worth, was down like 25, 30%, maybe even 50% from the peak by the time I actually checked it. What was interesting is over the last year, I've been thinking a lot about how do I invest based on my psychology? How do I do things that make sense? Despite being a little bit anxious today and making some decisions, I didn't have a terrible day. And part of that is because I took the last year and spent time thinking about my relationship with money. So I want to start there and say that I'm not perfect. This is really hard stuff. We don't learn any of it in school. It's just so individual. And I I want to kick it over to you to hear a little bit more about your perspective and to see where you want to go from here. Yeah, I will say before we jump in, this is obviously not investment advice. One of the reasons I'm calling that out is just because I've really struggled with investing throughout my life. I would consider myself relatively smart. I've been incredibly bad at investing and leveraging my knowledge to make more money throughout my life. And in some ways, similar to you, I've struggled with it at different points. And I'm really excited to talk through some of the, I don't know if you'd call them revelations, but ways that I've become a little more sophisticated with my investing, but then also okay with my lack of sophistication in my investing. But one thing I wanted to call out, and it sounds like you've experienced as well, is just investing and anything related to money is so incredibly emotional. It's similar to when you see someone in a relationship doing things that you would never do and you give them advice. And then when you're in the relationship, you do some of those things and you you don't even take your own advice. Uh, I find both myself and other people do the same thing with money, where if I were to tell someone, I'd be like, of course, just do this investing strategy. But then when it comes to myself, my money, my own decisions, I really struggle. That's super interesting. I want to talk about this because money is just really important for everyone in different ways. And I've seen a lot of people who have a lot of money who are unhappy and make bad decisions and all of this. So I I think we can help out on that front as well. But I also want to understand what is it that you mean when you say investing and that you're not a great investor? What does investing even mean to you? I think that's something that not enough people ask. Yeah, I think that's actually an excellent question that I've never articulated before. But I was just thinking about this a second ago where we all make some money throughout our lives. And I would love in some ways if we just we didn't have to invest our money, right? Like our net worth or 
whatever we make throughout our lives is just based on what we contribute to the world. And of course, investing can be seen as contribution. But what I mean by that is we're constantly facing, at least as investors, this potential inflation risk. And so our goal is to maximize not just the amount of money we're bringing in, but the amount of money that we have trying to grow that nest egg as well. And that is the part that I really struggled with where you asked like why I consider myself a bad investor. It's because one, I struggled to even invest the money in the first place. But two, I guess you you could comparatively say that the average investor makes X percent on their money within a given year. And I certainly <laughs> have not made that much, again, partially because I struggle to invest the money at all. But then even the investments I've made haven't really paid off in ways that I've seen other people make investments. Yeah. Basically, you're saying that purpose of investing for you is to combat inflation so that you don't lose the real purchasing power of your money. So are you just like sitting in cash or what are you doing with your money? How are you not hitting the average return? Yeah. So I think what's interesting about investing for me is that, so I've seen family members lose money in the stock market before. I think they were probably doing some pretty risky stuff. So that's Avenue, which is a pretty classic Avenue for investment returns, has always been a little scary to me, or maybe scary is not the right term, but I've always been a little more timid in my ability to put money in the market. You and I, and and even some of our other friends, like will call myself the perma bear because there's a, I always find a reason, whether it's a certain risk that a company will face or that their PE ratio is too high. There's always a reason why I'm like, oh, this company is overvalued or why the market overall is overvalued. And so I really struggle to put my money in, even though the historical nature of the stock market is that if you just dollar cost average into the indexes over time, you will make money. So that's something that I I've always struggled with. When and did you become a perma bear though, as you call it? Like, when did you start identifying with that? I don't know exactly when I started identifying with it other than just realizing how much I struggled to put money in the market relative to other people. But I think it comes from, you mentioned that you grew up without much money. I also grew up not necessarily poor, but middle, low income family. And I've always been a little more careful with my money than I think someone who perhaps grew up a little richer. So even how we talked about how money is an emotional thing, Some people will take on debt really readily. I will avoid debt at all costs, even though now I'm at a point where I can take on debt and that may accelerate my career or my prospects in life. I really struggle to do that. And I think something similar is happening with my ability to put money in the market. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm also not comfortable with that at all. And I want to bring up a central point here, which is there is theory and then there's practice. And so in theory, what you and I should do, we're relatively young, we have high earning potential. And actually, the math says that the way to maximize our returns would be not only to invest 100% of our existing capital in the S&P 500 and just let it sit for X number of years, basically for the long term, but we should actually take out debt and invest in the S&P 500 over that time to truly maximize our returns. I don't know anyone who actually does that, but that is the theory of how you might maximize your returns. And there's some risks there, of course, if history doesn't play out. But at the same time, what I've found is there's theories and there's interesting things that you'll read in books. There's things that you're told that are best practices, but sometimes it's really hard to translate that into practice. And one thing that I'm interested in is it sounds like you are at least well-versed on the literature of, hey, you should put your money into broad-based index funds that are low cost and just let them sit over time. But somehow you're not able to translate that into practice of what you're actually doing with your money. Why is that? What's happening? Like I said, I think it really does have to do with an emotional fear of losing the money or just making up 
excuses as to why, even if you're like invest in US broad index funds, I'm like, oh, do I still think the US will be the primary power in the world 30 years from now? I don't know. But does it need to be the primary power in the world to make money? I mean, I don't know. But this is the point of just coming up with reasons as to to why I struggle to invest. I, I guess what's interesting is I think of you as a relatively data driven person. And the data suggests that over the long term, the stock market goes up and it goes up at least to a degree where it at least combats inflation. And so just passively investing your money is the smartest thing you can do. If you go actively pick stocks, the most likely outcome is that you're going to underperform the market. Yet, despite that data, you're still not able to translate that into your actions. And that that's really interesting that your mind comes up with different theories here, despite looking at something which I think in other contexts you might actually follow. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about this as well. And I think one thing that drives this is also a hyper rationality. And what I mean by that is I'm not always rational, but when it comes to investments, at least in theory, I think I want to be sure of my bet. And with investing, you're never going to be absolutely sure. You're never going to feel completely safe with an investment. And of course, it's ironic that investing in something like the S&P is probably one of the safer bets that you can make. With investing, I tend to be the person who's more okay with investing in a bond because there is that check mark, that seal of you will get this money back. And even though I have that reassurance, that's not fully rational. So I think there's some level of me trying to be rational, but then my decisions end up not actually being that rational in the end. But then another part of this is I've learned over time that even though I think certain things may happen in the world, what I don't realize or I don't fully understand is how those relate to investments. And I think that's always been a tension in the things that I know or believe about in the world. And that lack of knowledge transferring to investment. So even throughout this last pandemic, I was similar to you where I was super bearish about the effects that the pandemic would have. I remember early on saying that I think it would last for many more months than a lot of people thought. And it did actually end up doing that. But what I didn't understand again was how that actually translated to the stock market. And I still today am starting to just wrap my head around everything that I might believe about in the world could be true. But then I may not understand the implications of those relative to investments. Yeah, for sure. One just massive mindfuck for me in the last downturn was how quickly it recovered, which honestly, it was historical and we couldn't have necessarily predicted that. But I remember you and I talking about COVID was just going to fill through society and just keep us locked down for a long time and all these things. And we were mostly right about the things that happened. The thing we were massively wrong on was what that meant for the price of the stock market. There's all kinds of weird things that happen in that case, but I think the lesson was, at least from my perspective, you actually can't time the market. The economy does not equal the stock market, and I probably shouldn't be playing a game where I'm not a professional, and I should play the game where I'm good at doing things like growth marketing or writing or whatever it may be that I actually have skills at instead of trying to say, hey, I'm a smart guy. I can figure out everything, including investing and how to make smart decisions. That's where I think I've personally gone wrong as well. I'm trying to apply my skills and and success I've had in other realms to this thing where I'm more of a novice. One of the ideas that I want to dive into, though, I love that you mentioned that investing is a bet and that you're looking for sure bets. And there are no sure bets. That's the thing I've definitely internalized. And I think of a bet, it's, it's like a decision about an uncertain future. So whether you're choosing a partner, whether you're choosing an investment, or 
whatever it is that you're deciding to do, you're not exactly sure how that's going to play out. And there's some probability that it'll work out this way or that way. And investing is very much the same, especially if you're doing something like active stock picking. So if you want to play the game of investing, it's really important to internalize that you are making bets. You cannot find any sure bets. You can find things that are more likely like index funds, at least for the average person to work out. But know the game that you're getting into and know the probabilities associated with what you're doing. In the crypto example, how many people have just invested in crypto because it's the future, it's going to go up, hold old diamond hands, whatever, and didn't really think, hey, this thing could go down 50% in two days. I always had that in the back of my mind because of what I learned from last year. Still, I was pretty heavily invested in it. Though this didn't have the same impact on me because I knew that. I knew what I was getting into when I got into that big of a bet in the crypto space. Yeah. One of the things speaking to this idea of you can be sure about certain things in the world or think that you're sure about them, but then really not understanding how they translate to financial matters is you got me to read that book, A Random Walk Down Wall Street, and he talks about several bubbles. I'm not necessarily saying crypto is a bubble today, but just this idea where you can believe something like some technology or some revolution is the future, but then know that you may not be able to financially benefit from this in the ways that you think you can. Because even when it comes to crypto, like someone can be super bullish on crypto. And I I personally am bullish on the concept and the technology there, but I simultaneously can guarantee that I don't necessarily know which cryptocurrency will be the main cryptocurrency 10 years from now. You can take a bet and you can make a guess and put your money behind it. But that's the important part about innovation is that innovation is try something, fail, try something, fail, try something, fail, and then the best stuff emerges. But along the way, there's a bunch of failures. And so we can be more sure that Bitcoin will be the cryptocurrency of the future relative to a a random altcoin. But that's certainly not a certainty, right? It's more likely, but it's not a certainty. And even if it's more likely, it doesn't mean the price of Bitcoin will be more five years from now than it is today. And that's always been my struggle with crypto is I think the one that I'm most interested in is probably Ethereum because things are being built on it. But I can't fully conceptualize like I can a little bit more with a company, what does that mean for the price of Ethereum five years from now? And I want to introduce this other concept, which is know the game that you're playing. And so when I think about investing these days, and one of the things that my active portfolio is looking at is I want to do one of two things. I'm making very short-term trades in the days or weeks, and I want to make small profits on that. Or I want to invest in companies that I think will be more valuable five to 10 years from now. And the reality is those companies will likely experience 40, 50, maybe even uh, higher percent drawdowns within the period of doing the 5 to 10x that I'm looking for over that time frame. And so if I'm just looking at the short term, I may actually sell an investment that in the long term aligns with my thesis. And my point is that I actually play different games myself. And then I listen to other people and I hear about their decisions. And I too frequently don't question what game are they playing and how are their decisions being formulated. And I've sometimes followed advice from people who were just doing very different things for me. Some people are just buy and hold. Some people are short-term technical traders. Other people don't have any idea what they're doing and they're just following social trends. And you see all of this and it's hard to filter the signal from the noise. I think one of the important questions is, what are your rules? What is the game you're playing? What are your goals? What's your risk tolerance? All of these things. And without actually codifying that, you're screwed because prices will move up, they'll move down. And without real decision-making clarity or rules, you're just going to be an emotional mess and make erratic decisions. 
yeah, your finances or your investments will control you and not the other way around. There's this awesome quote from the same author of The Random Walk Down Wall Street, and it goes, there's nothing so disturbing to one's well-being and judgment as to see a friend get rich. And I love that quote because it embraces this FOMO that we all experience as we hear about other people's gains, as they say. And this is similar to what in social media, you're only going to hear when someone makes a ton of money through an investment and not the opposite. And it really drives us to want to participate in these games and these bets. That's completely fine if people want to do that. But something that I realized in the last year or so, as there's been this mania of investing both in fiat and crypto, is just this idea that investments are also just one part of your life, right? So I don't know about you, but I found for the first several months of the pandemic, when things were really wild, I was spending every morning waking up and I was on PST. So I was waking up early, immediately opening the the market and checking how my investments were doing. And then after a while, I was like, even if I could make a bunch of money on this and we all know I didn't because I, I did a terrible job in, in that period. But even if I could, I was like, is this really what I want to trade my time and my happiness and my health for? And if some people want to do that, that's completely fine. But it also is part of a larger spectrum of things that you can invest in because investing is not just your money, but also your time and, and other things. And that was really important to me. So I liked that you called out, what game are you playing? What are you really trying to optimize for? Because it's not just your gains. It's all part of the broader spectrum of what you focus on. Yeah. So I'd love to just dive in. What are you optimizing for? I'll just give my personal thing. I would like to be financially free, which I define as money isn't a major factor in the decisions of who I hang out with, what projects I work on, et cetera, as soon as possible in my life. I'm not there yet. I'm definitely uh, comfortable, but not financially free. I just really think that's a cool concept. I don't necessarily want to build a massive tens or hundreds of millions or billion dollar nest egg. That's not that interesting to me in and of itself. And I just want money to not be something that I think too much about just because for most of my life, I have thought too much about it from my perspective. I still look at the price of milk when I go to the grocery store and I still won't buy raspberries if they're too expensive and just these silly things that are mostly remnants from my childhood. And I just don't want money to be a big decision-making thing. And I don't actually need that much But my point is, that's my definition of what success looks like with money. And so investing needs to relate to that. I don't need to make 20x on my money in five years. I do need to be comfortable. And actually, the worst thing I could do is just piss away my money on bad investment decisions. That would just screw my psychology as some of my earlier decisions did. Yeah, I think I'm in a similar boat where, as we've talked about, I haven't been a great investor. I do want to improve in investing because I have a lot to learn there. And I also think, as we've talked about throughout this episode, I need to learn to combat my own psychology of trying to find like hyper-rational bets and then in the end being irrational. So I want to learn to basically (laughs) train myself to stop being such a perma-bear and just invest in like the most classic index fund strategy. So once I get there, I think I'm in the same boat as you where I am absolutely not trying to maximize my investments. What I want to do is basically just have a pretty low bandwidth investing strategy where I don't need to pay attention to it very much or at all, and then invest all of my time and energy. I want to invest my time into building things. And so, of course, if I can make a little more money along the way, that can help because I can invest more money into a company I I found in the future or hire people to help me and things like that. But I see, at least at this stage of my life, using money as a tool. And that certainly means that I don't need to maximize it 
And in fact, what I hope to do is just bet more on myself, right? So of course, having this passive income strategy happening on the side, but then most of my energy and my time is just focusing on building things on my own. And hopefully that will (laughs) reap financial rewards at some point. It sounds like passive investing is pretty aligned with what you're looking to do in your goals, but that maybe you haven't translated that into action yet. One of the ideas that I want to bring to light here is it's a quote from Warren Buffett. He says, there's no reason to risk what you have and need for what you don't have and don't need. I love this because I got caught up in the last year in speculative day trading. I was trading options. I'm looking for price movements of stocks that I don't know that much about. And in some cases it worked out, in other cases it didn't. What I've realized with this whole thing is it takes way too much energy. So there's this this massive price I'm paying of my time and energy going into this thing where I'm moderately successful and sometimes unsuccessful. And the other thing is, even if I was to be able to make good amounts of money from this, I'm essentially risking my financial security blanket for something that I don't need. I don't have things I want to buy that I can't buy right now. I don't have a lot of needs. And so just throwing my money into this stock market casino is a joke for what would actually make me happy in my life. Despite that, I've still gotten sucked in. And I think that's one of the things that I'm sure other people are in this boat where it taps into my gambling tendencies. It taps into my desire to want to be a good investor. It taps into my desire to want to show my friends that I'm smart with my money. It's all of these things that come together and I'm making decisions that are risking what I have for what I don't need. And it's just silly. And sometimes this doesn't happen as much anymore, but I got to the point where I couldn't sleep at night sometimes because I was in leveraged ETFs and and things that we're making really big bets that I didn't need to do. And it's all silly looking back. Exactly. And I found the same thing when I was doing it because I think at the end of the day, there may be people who really can beat the market or who really can do better than the passive investing strategy. But I've come to realize that I'm certainly not one of those people. And what I think I am better at is building things or learning about companies and how they work and putting my energy there, I actually do think that my resources can, you know, quote unquote, beat the average person. And so that's where I choose to focus. And I think that it's important for people to figure out what they are really great at and then leave the rest to things that are tried and true and people know work like the passive investing strategy. For sure. I have two anecdotes. The first is I had an executive coach at my last job and he's a really smart guy, very successful. He explained to me one of the best decisions I ever made, Calvin, was when I handed my money over to someone else. He was like, I'm a smart guy. I can go figure things out. I thought I could go invest my family's money. And he was doing fine with that. But at the end of the day, he was spending time and energy on things that weren't as important to him and that he could outsource to someone else. And he said it was literally one of the best decisions he's ever made so that he can spend more time on work with his family, the things that really mattered. I thought that was really cool because I've always thought I will always actively manage my money because this is something that I can be good at. And the other is just like you, I have a friend who he's just quite good at sitting down and focusing, building businesses, solving problems, et cetera. And he actually does a remarkable job of just focusing on that. I think he sits pretty heavily in cash and knows that's not objectively the right decision is a perma bear like you as well. But 
almost willingly accepts that trade-off and forgets about markets for months and instead is building lots of equity and wealth in, in the companies that he's building if it pays off. And I think in the long run, he'll be much more successful financially than I am because he's sat down and focused and doubled down on the areas where he has a unique competitive advantage. Whereas I'm just you know a sporadic monkey looking at my CNBC tickers all day and following the markets, which they just go up, they go down, and so does my mind with them. Yeah, it reminds me of a topic that I hope we can talk about soon, which is this idea that I've learned throughout the last few years. When I was growing up, I didn't have that much money, so I took responsibility for learning and doing everything in my life. And I've kept that habit with me throughout time. You've actually been someone who's helped me over time be like, oh, Steph, if you're going to apply for a visa, like you should actually just go to the experts and hire a lawyer, which maybe sounds crazy to people, but I've just always had the habit of, let me just do everything myself, finances included. And now that I have more resources it has been really refreshing to be like, you know what, I should just go to the expert for something, or I should just let someone else manage my money, or I should just hire someone who can help me with X, Y, or Z. That's something that I've really appreciated learning in the last year or so. And I think that would be a great topic for an episode. I think I would definitely struggle to let someone else manage my money, but at some point I might get to that if I want to focus on other things. But that said, I've just, I've made so many mistakes and learned a lot of things along the way. And I think that for most people, it's not worth getting into the game of active investing. And it is much better to just use something like a wealth front or a betterment and just automate sending whatever percentage of your paycheck that you have left over to these robo advisors that manage everything for you for relatively low cost, then make other decisions that align with your strategy. For example, like the optimal strategy is to sit in minimal cash, like one to 2% or maybe just a couple months of rent. If you're pessimist or if you're a little bit more conservative, sit 10 to 20% in cash. Who cares if you're not maximizing your ROI or something when the next downturn comes? This was actually my mistake. I didn't have any liquidity when there was a massive downturn because I was such a, an aggressive investor in the market. And actually, I think if I had cash, I would have made different decisions than I did. I might have just actually put a little bit more into the market instead of just ripping a lot of my money out of it because I would have had a, a bit more slack and freedom that might have given me the mental agility to deal with the downturn that ended up not lasting as long as I expected, but that with low liquidity, I started freaking out and saying, am I going to really piss away my nest egg when I see this disease going through society and wrecking things? And I ended up making what in hindsight was a bad decision. At the time though, it seemed like a good decision. And I want to end on this. You're investing outcomes in the outcomes of other people. They're a result of many forces, but the two most important ones are your skill. So the quality of your decisions and then luck. And at the end of the day, it's hard to disentangle those two. And so when you see your buddy who made a bunch of money on Dogecoin or your buddy who timed this stock well or whatever, and you want to get into that, just know that may not be because they're prescient and really figure things out. They may have gotten lucky. They also may have been skilled. But at the end of the day, when you look at your outcomes, you can't just assess them based on I lost money, so I made a bad decision, or I made money, so I made a good decision. And that's something that I learned. When I look back, my biggest regret was not using probabilities. I should have taken 20% of my money out of the market instead of a larger percentage just in the event that I was wrong or something like this. And just thinking in probabilities instead of thinking in absolutes, that would have helped me mitigate a lot of psychological damage. And I think if you are to engage in the game of active investing or just thinking about how to allocate your money or invest it, you need to think in that way instead of, hey, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And if it doesn't or if it does, I'm right or wrong and that's good or bad.
that's too absolute for how the world actually works. Totally. And just a reminder, this is not financial advice, but I wanted to say one or two final things, which is just something that I have to remind myself of all the time, which is just this idea that money is a tool and ideally your money doesn't control you, you control your money. So don't get so lost in the pursuit of money that you forget what you're actually trying to accomplish in life. And then the second thing is I try to, again, as much as possible, I fail at this all the time, but try to play games you can't lose. And what I mean by that is something that I've realized is if I spent my whole day for three years just focusing on active investing and at the end of the day, even if I made money or if I lost money, I wouldn't have really gotten much further in my personal pursuits or the things that I love versus if I, for example, just forget about the money. Even if I sat in cash during that whole period and lost money, if I was at the same time investing in my own skills, building things that I loved, and at the end of that three years, I was happier, more productive, more skilled, had actual assets that I was proud of, to me, that's much more of a game that I personally want to play. And of course, this is not advice. You're welcome to do whatever you want in your life. But I do encourage people to figure out what are the games where you can't really lose, even if you don't make that money during that time period where you actually are building other things up along the way. That re- just reminds me of the most important thing you can do is to invest in yourself. Like Investing in your skills and other things that can generate money for you can provide you more flexibility, whether you make bad decisions or there's a downturn or whatever, which in my case, I made poor financial decisions that ended up losing me money in a year where lots of people made money. But at the end of the day, I also picked up a bunch of skills and I was able to reinvest in myself in different ways that have then served me as well. And so I was able to pair those strategies where you can almost mitigate uh, financial loss or making bad decisions by just investing in yourself. And at least in the future, I hope to invest a lot more in that and to automate and simplify my investments, let compound interest do the work for me and just create more flexibility in my life so I can relax, enjoy time with friends, build cool stuff and do more of these podcasts. I'm glad we talked about this topic. I know finances can be a touchy subject, but I think it's actually great for people to be a little more transparent about it, how they're thinking about it. Again, a lot of the time you hear about people's wins with investments and you rarely hear about their losses. So I hope people found this helpful. If nothing else, we should feel better about our losses since we openly shared them. But I agree with you. I think the things that you see online or from your friends, mostly they're just telling you about their W's and not really getting into the nitty gritty and all this stuff. And I've personally benefited from having some friends who are super open about what they're doing. And some of them have been much more successful than me, at least in the game of investing. And I've dealt with like jealousy and all these other things as it relates to that. But at the end of the day, I've also learned that my strategy is different largely because my psychology, what I want out of money and all kinds of other things. And I I just hope to keep getting better at this because at the end of the day, like it's just you who has to sleep in your bed at night and sleep with your decisions. And as it relates to money, those are the ones that can really keep you up. So make sure that you do your diligence here and and don't rely on other people. Read some books, educate yourself. You're not going to learn this shit in school. The most important thing though, I think is just to relax and know that it's going to be okay in the end. I've made some hiccups It definitely damaged my psychology, but I've rebounded and it's all about just figuring out how to move forward. And that's another just concept that I hope that someone takes away from this, which is you can make mistakes, but learn from your mistakes and figure out how you can move forward in better ways. And that will just make you better equipped to deal with the next set of circumstances that you're dealing with and take it easy. Yeah. I'm going to add one more thing. Bonus. Bonus. It's just this idea that... Obviously, money can make people happy. Everyone knows it doesn't necessarily make people happy. But the richest I ever felt 
in my life was when I had $10,000 in my bank account. So just remember, you can lose a lot of money and still be very happy. All right, Steph, let's wrap it there. This is, I think, one of many topics that we'll have on money. We have a lot to dive into here and probably our perspectives will change as we go forward. So I'm excited to explore this more with you because this one's just really important. And I know I think about it a lot and you are too, and we're just trying to do a lot better. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. Until next time.